Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to musicians and artists about what jobs they've worked, what jobs they're working, as well as their general survival. 
I'm so excited to welcome Charlotte Cooper from the Subways. Their new track, Fight, is out now. It's playing beneath this. And they're on tour for the rest of September, all the way through October, across the UK, including a show on a boat in London. Friday the 29th of October, Billy from the Subways will be playing an acoustic set on a boat. Go and find more information on that through Alco Pop Records. I'll be there. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. As always, East London Signature Brew have been brewing beers with bands since 2011. They've made beers with Mastodon, Sports Team, Hot Chip, Idols, and a whole bunch more. If you want to get some of their flagship beers delivered directly to your front door or back door, but watch out for thieves, you can go onto signaturebrew.co.uk, make a purchase, and with the voucher code 101podcast, all capital letters, you can get 10% off. All right, here's Charlotte Cooper from the subways. Playing in bands, working jobs between tours and making records. The subways have been doing it so long now. Have you got used to it? Have you got, is that, is there a routine there? Um, so I think um, up until, so we took a, our last release was um, 2015, I believe. I'm saying that slowly in the hope that I'm saying the right year because all of a sudden I'm like, is that wrong? But no, I think, yeah, it was 2015. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so we, um, up until that point, so the first album came out in 2005. And that that um, ten years was was pretty full on, really. Um, I don't think we re- we didn't really do much other than than band stuff. Um, like maybe we'd have time off, but it would be like we'd just be doing time off things like at home with our families or friends because the rest of the time we were we were working really, like we were on tour or we were recording or writing or rehearsing. Um, so it's only really been since um, we finished touring that album, which I guess probably did a couple of years on that. Um, so, but, uh, because um, we did take an intended break, um, Billy went to um, university. He went to Cambridge, actually, of all universities. Wow. Yeah, and he studied English literature for three years. And when he said he wanted to do that, I think we all felt, oh, do you know what? I think um, I think it might be nice to to maybe do something else for a bit. Although we didn't stop, like we still did festivals every year. So it wasn't like we completely did nothing for three years, and we were sort of meeting every now and again not as often but um to work on um new album bits here and there um but yes it's only really been in the past um past three or four years or so that I've done slightly different things I guess and that's interesting to know that you know you had periods of time where you thought oh shit you know actually I want to do this I want to do my (laughs) thing I guess playing in a being in a in a group you're you're relying on each other so much yeah, it's true. I think it's I think um within the band within the three but also within um our wider uh, touring family, I guess. Um because the a lot of people that work um work with us have been with us for since day one and that when we go on tour it is like family and we love it and it's yeah, so it's kind of weird to leave that, I guess. Um yeah, I was still in touch with everybody and we've got you know, everyone's got a WhatsApp group, haven't they now and we still send each other stupid things every now and again and everyone's sort of still in touch and like looking you know looking forward to when we when we do play again um yeah do you think you've been quite good at that balance because you know you can see the temptation to just want to do band stuff and do the do the fun stuff and get excited about that I mean how have you been able to 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 make those two work 
Um, I think I think just it, because it was our lives one hundred percent in in those first ten years, we did you know just did say yes to everything and did everything. Um, I did yeah, I got married in two thousand ten, so I, I did I do have a husband, but he works in music as well. So between the two of us, it's just sort of working out. Um, you know, when we can see each other things have changed now because I have children now so I do have to th- think a little bit more about how I do things just to make sure it's not impacting them too much I guess um so I don't necessarily say no to things but I just have to say right we need to think about how we're going to do that one I'm sure there's a way it's, I mean me and my husband have quite a lot of like we call it like tour managing meetings that like, how do we tour manage this one I'm sure we can tour manage this <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of logistical chat Around 2005, around Young for Eternity, I mean, in the years leading up to that, did you have a kind of tunnel vision, you know, where you thinking, look, I just, yeah, I want to play music. That's, that's what I'm going to put my time and my priorities towards. I think, I don't think we had kind of, I don't think, well, personally, I don't want to speak on behalf of Billy and Josh, but I think personally, I never, I never had sort of, I just wanted to play music. I think I didn't, because when you, because we were so young when we started out, when we first started out, we were just sort of three kids making a racket really um, and playing local shows. And we started to play more and more. I'm like, oh, we really do love this. And just kept, kept playing um, and just wanted to keep loving it and keep doing it. And then, and then it sort of became apparent that, oh, like maybe, you know, there's, there's a bit of a tension here. Like maybe, maybe this could, could be like what we do. But it all happened so quick, it, not so quickly, but it was just such a whirlwind, like one thing after another, after another, after another. And we were, you know, I felt like 2005, first album came up, I was, I was 19, so it was pretty young. And when, I think you don't really think about things too much at that age, do you, I guess? I think people, maybe you get your first job or maybe you go to university. I don't think you're necessarily thinking where you're going to be in 20 years or so, I guess. I think, you'd, yeah. Well, so maybe some people are, maybe some people are, more mature than I was <laughs> and and you know 15 years ago it feels like an eternity and it also feels like maybe bands were making money then I wonder if advances were happening and you know the idea that you could kind of live off a recording contract I mean how prepared were you for that kind of organizational stuff um yeah, so things, like, I think you're right. I think we, we definitely caught the tail end of that big advance, major label sort of thing. Um, and like downloading was a thing then, but it was not widespread. Like it, you know, it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to do it. Like you had to be quite sort of technical with your computer to know how to download things then. Whereas obviously now that's, you know, I think it, it, that people like 19 year olds now, I think most people are probably streaming things, aren't they? Um, to get their music. So things are definitely changed I and mean, at the time there was there was a lot of big talk and with like lawyers and accountants and things but I think we've always had really good management had the same management from the start um supportive families which helps with that situation I think and yeah our manager Ben yeah he's he's amazing he's just we met him when we were playing a gig in London and he's been with us he'd never managed a band before so we were learning how to do it ourselves and he got together with Gail who is a bit of a management legend she's retired now but Ben still likes to keep her like in on stuff because she likes it um but they were like a really good team and really like looked after us and just made sure deals were fair and and things like that that's that's such a lovely story I kind of I feel like sometimes there's a kind of nefarious, an attitude of uh, of nefarious managers, but someone, you know, being your mate, becoming that, wonderful. 
Yeah, he's he's great. He like he he was he was um, promoting at this venue that we happened to play at, and I don't know, he saw something there. I don't, know, I don't know what, but he saw something, and um, yeah, and he's, yeah, we've been we've been managed by him ever since. Would you say that you're quite unjaded by the music industry? I think I'm one of the rare people. I think there are a lot of jaded people by the time you get to the length of time I've been doing it. Um, but um, I do, I do like, yeah, yeah, there's obviously things that annoy me about it, whatever. But I think in general, I feel like quite lucky, really. Like, I, I love being in a band, I love being on stage. And it's not to say I love it all the time and that everything is amazing about it. But in general, I think get to tour the world and play gigs and shit it's great (laughs) do you think part of that is because of the way that you've gone about it you know in a way that not spreading yourself too thin or giving too much of yourself away and you know kind of being realistic about it you know protecting yourself basically I think it's always been an emotional roller coaster, but maybe that's maybe partly that's why I like it you know it's the ups and downs and the the drama of it I think um I think definitely since yeah it's obviously changed since since having children because I need to it's not a case of being like yeah sure we'll just like go to America for three months that'll be fine like without even thinking about it like obviously there's there's consideration I think going forward from now there's definitely considerations for for how we do things whereas in the past it's like yeah of course that'd be great let's go let's go tour and never stop amazing yeah when Billy went to uni is there something that that you found yourself being really interested in and and getting into um so I've, I've always like I guess I, I've always done sporty things, so it gave me a bit more time to train and do. I was doing triathlon at the time, so I did a bit more of that. Um, Amazing. I did um, since having my children. I have trained to become a pre and post natal personal trainer, um, wow. just because I find it quite interesting. And and to be honest, I didn't really know what to do with myself to get myself back to doing the things that I like doing. Um, in, in a safe and sustainable way so that, you know I'm still running when I'm in my 60s or whatever um, so um, that's kind of where the interest sparked from it um, but to be honest the main thing I did when Billy went to uni was was to have children and to have a bit of time to, to do that. Um, that postnatal yeah. work sounds so interesting and the sporty stuff I mean have you always been sporty? Uh, well me Billy and Josh we met at a swimming club we were um competitive swimmers when we were teenagers and that's that's where I met them um uh, amazing yeah. that's an anecdote missed by Kerrang in <laughs> 2005 or 6 isn't it <laughs> yeah Harlow Penguins was our club <laughs> right and Harlow has had a, a, a music scene hasn't it scene 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 the, the square and well yeah the square yeah there were I think the square was brilliant because it was so encouraging for young bands because they had like a rock contest and a rock school so I think the rock school was more for people who weren't in bands yet so you could go there and like a lot of bands formed from that and then the rock competition it was all just kids like people the same age as us like 14 15 year olds um playing which was just amazing giving you the opportunity to do that because a lot of venues are 18 plus or whatever and so you wouldn't be able to play so the square was just so amazing for nurturing um young bands and nurturing's the word isn't it i mean doing these interviews a big element of surviving as a musician is having someone or a group being able to 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 support you basically to to help push your ideas to give you advice and i feel like well in my own experiences 
I nothing like that. And I, I wonder if that's something about the UK or Britain or or our, our industry. I mean, compared to other countries like Australia and Canada, for example, where you get grants for musicians. How do you weigh in on that? I think you're, you're right in that, that, that it was a rare place. Um, um, because it's not it's not easy being a 15 year old trying to be in a band because it was obviously like expensive to buy stuff then you've got to like find time you know like if you if you're the drummer like you've got to have a parent who's going to drive you or whatever haven't you because it's like you can't take yourself and a lot of venues won't let you play so to have somewhere like the square with equipment and other people and and gigs to play um yeah we were really lucky really like that's what got us started was we wanted to play that competition first of all great and Steve Lamack was there, was he? I think he may have been. If you're telling me that, I believe you. Uh, <laughs> I've... Something I've forgotten. That's something I've forgotten, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I have no idea. But he's synonymous yeah. with the square. Yeah, he's always been a huge support. So um, yeah, he may well have been there, which is cool. <laughs> Do you think that having the square and having that kind of infrastructure helped you take, you know, playing music as a sort of fiscal actual thing that you could do as a as a living did it take you did it help you take it more seriously I mean you know I feel like work and art is just oil and water um you know there's a conflict there yeah I was you know I had like part-time jobs when I was at school as everyone did but this is yeah I left I was I was studying for my last A-level exam in the van on the way down to play our first Glastonbury wow so it was pretty seamless one you know that, like a level ending like six form ending into into band stuff yeah. that is really really brilliant I mean got hammered all weekend and forgot it all probably but <laughs> that stuff coming along at an early age did it bring pressures or expectations with it back then didn't care just said yes to everything did everything rode the roller coaster had a wonderful time <laughs> and you kept that spirit up until 2015 that you know 10 years of that I think yeah, pretty much because you. I, I think yeah, because I didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, because you asked like the final first questions was, wasn't it? Like, what did you, what did you do other than that? I was like, I don't think we did anything else. I think we just did that. <laughs> From what I can remember. <laughs> but you must have changed so much. I mean, you know, between the ages of eighteen and twenty-five, that's growing up. Yeah, I think I think so. I think we definitely grew up over that time because you have to. Yeah, I think like you said, everyone. Like you go through your twenties, and it's a it's a big it's a big change, isn't it? From just leaving school to growing up a bit more, having like more responsibilities, and so I, I guess we we must yeah I guess we did grow up in in that time on on tour. Were there any moments that happened that now you can look back on and think I, I learned something? Then that was the learning curve. I guess it's all a learning curve, and I think I think because we did it from so young, there's a certain arrogance of youth. I think where you just nothing things don't phase you in the same way like I think a lot of the things that we did back then sort of playing big shows and like tv appearances and stuff I think they'd phase me now even though I've been doing it for a long time because I think I think about it a bit more whereas when you're young you just you just sort of do stuff (laughs) think don't you without thinking about the consequences of it quite so much We, we did do quite a lot of looking back last year because it was we did a release during lockdown last summer of um, we re-recorded Rock and Roll Queen to celebrate um, 15 years of the song being released. Um, and Billy, Billy recorded it in 
I think it was 20 different languages because that's what he does when we play in different different countries. He sings it in different languages. Brilliant. Um, so there was like sort of the promo for that and stuff. We did a lot of sort of like looking back at old photos and old videos and, and things that we did around the release of that. Um, and it is pretty mad to look back on. We were so lucky to have so many wild things like playing on the OC, doing big festivals and like doing those American sort of chat shows like Letterman and um, Conan O'Brien and things that, yeah, just like I, I, I remember doing them, but it's it's just so strange to look back on. I think it was just all such a whirlwind and there's one thing after the other. You just We just did it and did it and did it and just kept going. Um, but look, when you look back, I think when you slow down, as everyone has done in the last year as well, you just slow down and you look back and you think, that was pretty cool. We were really lucky. That was amazing. <laughs> Anyone who's read anything about the subways knows that there's a real kinship. There's a real friendship and allyship within the band. Yeah, I think we do. We do all have, um, there is a strong bond there. Um, so if you don't know about the history of the band, Billy and I used to be together. Billy and Josh are brothers. Although Josh, Josh left the band last year. I don't know. Yeah. If yeah. We did. yeah. So things, things are changing, but I think, I think because there's been, you know, that, that line of two brothers and people who used to be together, like it's, you know, it's, it's definitely drama there. There has been drama there. But I think that brings you closer together because there's a lot of love there as well. Um, and had to work through difficult things together. But then when you have to do that, it's obviously worth it for what you're working through it for, like the music. And I think nobody ever wanted to stop doing the music, um, no matter what yeah, happened between us. I feel like if you don't communicate very well, it ends up being, you know, prevents you from, from moving forward. It's, it's like a, it's like a jarring thing. I think that that's quite like an, it's quite an adult thing to, to understand early on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting because I have a, I have a three-year-old and at the moment it's just trying to, cause she's, you know, they're discovering their emotions and stuff. And I'm sort of doing a bit of reading about how you do that and you need to talk to them about when they get angry and why they've got angry and it's okay to be angry but you need to express it in a way that's not you know not like not hitting people or whatever just like kind of how to express anger and like if I get angry because everybody gets angry or something I just say oh no you know mommy just got angry about that um but you know maybe I shouted or maybe I shouldn't or you know just kind of and it makes you think about those yeah kind of how it's important to to talk through things like that and how then we all learn from what's just happened because things happen. You can't help that. We're all human and we have reactions to things which are sometimes quite strong and stronger than they would have been on a day when we'd slept better or, do you know, like think, you know, and it's, it, yeah, and if you, but, but if you look at a situation that's kind of maybe seen as bad, but you talk through it and work through it, then maybe it could be turned into a positive thing. I guess. That's such an interesting thing to think about. I think the majority of people don't stop to think about why they feel a certain way and I think maybe it's just easier to try not to think about it and and and, and crack on and just and keep doing stuff <laughs> it's only from trying to figure out what you do with a three-year-old to be honest it's only recently that I've like had to start, start thinking about these things to help you know, to help her understand why why she might be angry, angry or whatever yeah are, are you learning from her I'm learning so much from her yeah loads from her way more than more than I have done in the previous 35 years of my life I think <laughs> how did the the postnatal work come into play when did you decide that you wanted to do it and and how how have you got into it uh, yes I did I did a training course uh, which was 
um, all online because we were, even though Billy was at uni, we did still do, um, we did still do shows. So it was quite nice actually. It gave me something to do during all the travel. It's nice. I've learned, this is one thing I've learned. The one thing that is a bit shit about being in the band is all the travel and all the waiting and all the sitting in airports and sitting in like, like just sitting basically. Um, so the hurry up and wait routine. Hurry up and wait. So yeah, having something to keep you entertained while you're doing that is good. So um, yeah, actually it was good to have things like, you know, the, the journeys went quite quickly if I was like studying. Um, yeah. How much thought did you put into it before you applied for it? How, how long were you wanting to do it for or thinking about it? I think I think I sort of um, dropped onto it really. I think I did because you have to do. I did my like normal PT um, course before because that's what you have to do first. Um, and then I got pregnant while I was doing that, and I was like, "Oh, I don't really know what you're supposed to do when you're pregnant." So, oh, I might do a course and find out. <laughs> um, and that's yeah, that's and then and then again, like after I'd had the baby, just thinking, "Oh, I really like to get back running," but. Not really sure how I'm supposed to do that. So I'll do a course. That'll be cool. I'll learn. I'll learn how to. So I was kind of learning and using myself as as an experiment, um, <laughs> which I think worked. That's a lot to balance, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So at the, at the moment, um, I'm not. I'm not. I've not got any clients because we're doing a reasonable amount of band stuff. So yeah, because I'm quite busy with that, and also uh, my second baby's only four months old. So. Um, I finished up with clients like in sort of autumnish, but to be honest, I didn't have that many because we were finishing the album last year. Although we were in lockdown, um, we finished it um, re- remotely. So I was recording in my bedroom, um, which was cool. Um, but but I had this sort of deadline of really wanting to get it done before I had the baby. Um, so I just I chilled out of all the PT stuff and just focused on on getting that done. You must have got so good at scheduling your time and making sure you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing having having that cabinet brain I think I've learned yeah I think I've learned better about what realistically I can handle um with with keeping sanity (laughs) um so you know to make space for you know so you're not feeling like you're like always working or just just what like so you don't because I think sometimes we take too much on you can feel quite overwhelmed and then and then when you do feel overwhelmed, it's then really difficult to do all those things anyway. So I think, yeah, learning, yeah, I think I've got a lot better at, um, at you know, just being like, no, I'm just doing bad stuff. That's it. Um, I think it's since having having the children that that's happened, really. Because then I'll be like, oh, like, I really need to make sure that I've got enough time with you and that I'm not working. Because a lot of it's been at home, but I'm not working every single evening because... Because the the nature of the of it is you end up working in the evenings, but then if you're with the children all day and then working every evening, they just end up a bit burnt out. I think. Um, so just knowing of of like kind of getting a getting a, getting a balance. So it's it's different. I mean, but when I say the children, this is probably just when I had the one. Now that I have, it's quite different at the moment because um, my my boy Rex, he's only yeah, he's only four months. So Rex is a great name. Do you think? Oh, cool. Yeah. We, we we really like it, <laughs> but we weren't sure if it was a bit like strong. But um, <laughs> yeah, we think it's cool. Um, but yeah, so obviously at the moment he's really young, so that he's my hundred percent focus really. Um, yeah. What's it been like finding a new drummer? I mean, take me through the emotional process of of finding the new drummer. Um, it's definitely strange because Josh has been with us. Well, it's only been three of us ever. Um, 
And I think, I think, I mean, yeah, I think now I'm more accepting of it. I think initially I was like, I can't, just can't imagine playing with anybody else. Um, although we did have a brief period, actually, just there was in 2015, we had a period of about five weeks on the tour where um, Josh wasn't well and he had to go home. Um, and uh, my husband actually played for us for five weeks um, because this this happened sort of mid-tour. Um, and we're like, oh, well, Ryan knows all the songs. I'm sure he can do it. <laughs> um, and which, yeah, very grateful to him that he did. Um but yes, we have played with someone like I, I just, when, yeah, we, I said we've not played with anyone else before, but we have. We've had Ryan for a bit. Um, but yeah, it's definitely strange to think about getting some of that. And I think the key thing is because Josh is such a, I mean, every drum is unique, but I think Josh, there was really something very like unique about him and the way he played and his drum set up. And I think the key thing is trying to not get another Josh. Like it's going to be different and just accept it. It's going to sound different and it's going to be different, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because. That's just, it's going to be our, our new way of playing and our, yeah, a new way of, of, of uh, touring these songs. Can you ever be prepared for that kind of change? I mean, do you feel prepared for it? Yeah, I think so. I think I feel, I think I feel prepared for it. I think um, we've got plenty of time to rehearse before then. Um, we will do a lot of warm-up shows as well. Um, but I think we, we do that anyway because we haven't played for a year. Well, you'll be, it'll be a year and a half by that point. Um, so we'd need a lot of warm-up shows anyway um, just to get back into the swing of things. So you've got a new album recorded. Is it nice having that up your sleeve? We live in mm. you know, a world where information comes and goes so quickly. Is that a nice position to be in, to have that album recorded but not released any information about it yet? Yeah, and I think particularly at the moment, um, it's been six years since our last album and we're really proud of this album and we think it's our best yet and we want it to get released at a time when it's it's gonna it's gonna not yeah I, I guess we want to we want to tour it really so although it's ready and it could be released like anytime we want we don't want to do like what's the point in we've waited this long let's wait until we can tour it properly and things are back to inverted commas normal um and we can go on tour and give it the promotion that it deserves. Does that require a lot of patience? Is there a part of you that wants to do it the punk rock way and just get it out because, you know, people are going to dig it and you'll have fun releasing it? Yeah, I think it'd be easy to get carried away. Although that is why we did, we because it's been, we've been working on this album for a really long time. Some of these songs have been around for ages now and we're just, yeah, we, there is a sense of impatience with it, but also wanting to, it to come out at the right time but then that's why we decided to release Fight now and we wanted to release something and felt that Fight was also um, quite topical with things going on at the moment um, and then I think we'll release another single later in this year as well in a similar way like a limited edition seven inch type of vibe just so we feel like there's some momentum there and there's something new coming out but without um, yeah putting, without putting the whole thing out just yet. People have had to wait, like if anyone's a Subways fan, they've had to wait a long time for anything new. So it's nice that people still care and are still there. <laughs> I think I'm really excited to get this new album out and um, to tour it. Um, I don't quite know how to do it with the children yet, but we we, fig we figure that out. We'll have a tour managing chat and we'll, we'll work it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I'm just, I think it makes, I think this year has made everyone kind of realise what's important 
um, and what they want from life because when things get taken away, it makes you think that, doesn't it? Um, but I think it's definitely made me realise how much, you know, I think you get the sense from talking to me that I've always been very grateful to do what I do, but I think even more so this year, this year, like, I, I, you know, even more, like, really want to get back to to, to doing it um, and to being on stage and to, to touring and, and to playing these new songs and releasing this new album and, and seeing where it goes and what it ta- where it takes us. <laughs> That's some good positivity right there. I, I think I'm generally generally glass half full, I'd say. Not always. I'm sure like my husband would say that I'm not, but <laughs> he's probably the only one that sees that side of me. Having made this record from lockdown and, and being online, I mean, social media is such a big thing for bands now. I mean, it's the platform that people are going to go to first to to find you. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm not, I don't, it doesn't come naturally to me. I'm so terrible at taking selfies. Like I look at it and I'm like, I don't even look like that. What is my face doing? So that's why like, I, I have it and I try and, in, I try and engage with it because I know it's important, but I feel like a hundred years old sometimes when I'm trying to do it. And it's just you know, some people just it comes a bit more naturally to them maybe that but I find I have to work really hard at it um but yeah it does seem like such just another thing to do if you're a band that is primarily about the music and, and the feeling of the music yeah it's become really it has become really important and I do accept that it's important um and so we do have someone um um doing it with us now um who has way better ideas than me (laughs) on the other side it's a completely open platform to communicate with your fans and be in your community I think we we, we always did it in the past but I think now with this album we recognize that particularly to get kind of out to younger people it is it is important and there's a whole world of it which like I just don't understand which makes me just feel really old. Yeah, you're not, you are not alone. Charlotte, thanks so much for coming on here. Really appreciate your time. Looking forward to the record. Well, thank you very much for including me in your podcast. You have quite a list of names you've spoken to. So I feel very honoured that you've chosen me. So thank you very much. So that was Charlotte Cooper from the Subways. Shout out Alcopop Records. Shout out Lee Jackson. Cheers, Charlotte. And thanks to you for listening. See you next week. Here's Cox Barra. I've been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue arse fly I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate Every blink minute I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.